the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson, joined as ever by editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. And we have a very special guest this week, I'm pleased to say, joining us is Spencer Pryor. Hello. Former player, Fox Sports pundit, and now Matilda's assistant coach. Former former Fox Sports pundit, was that as well? Now, I'm still doing a little bit with Fox, but um, I've gone in and working with Tom Simone with the Matildas now, yeah. Excellent. The rap sheet gets longer every time you come on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, look, we're going to have a chat, proper chat with you in, in the third section, talk about the Matildas role in the World Cup and uh, mm-hmm. your media work and your business. So uh, we'll leave that for now. But we're going to kick off, not surprisingly, um, Socceroos. Looks all right. Who saw 6 0 coming? <laughs> no, no chance. Well, we predicted 1 0, didn't we? Which I would have taken. I was yeah. more than tired with that. But yeah, 6 0, six different scorers. Um, yeah, I mean, just a. An amazing performance. I mean, they, they were fairly hopeless, but in the lead up to that game, they looked technically one of the you know the best sides in the in the competition. So th- there was a little bit of concern that we'd um, you know wouldn't be able to get through there. But one thing I would like to bring up, and Spence, you might have a view on this as well, having sort of played and coached, is that there's a lot of peddling the a certain type of football that soccer should be playing. You know, this short style and and, and what have you. Um, Uzbekistan played that passing game. They had like 70% of possession, but they did nothing with it. And arguably, we played long ball, but we won 6-0 and we're in the final. But everyone's gone a little bit quieter about that style of play now, haven't they? And I just think it's, you know, you have to do whatever style of play is going to win you the game at the end of the day. And, And their passing around was great, but it didn't get them anywhere. You know, they had no urgency. Well, I think this, from for me, the, the the parts of the game that I saw where Uzbekistan were in in and around the final third quite a lot because they had the possession to build up and got into the final third. And then we saw so many... Socceroos back four was so compact, sitting probably about on the penalty spot, and then they got four midfielders in front. It, it, was, it looked pretty, but it, it was really, you know, there's only Arsenal... Are the only team that I can see in the world that are able to actually go pass, pass, pass and, and create a chance. They're, they're trying to play that style, but without really, like you say, creating any chances. And yeah, I, rather than calling it long ball, I call it counter attacking mm-hmm. football. And that's the way that they seem to be going. When you've got Harry Cool up front, who can hold the ball up well, they've got Tim Cole, who was able to get up and support. Matt McKay was sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, just playing without fear at the moment and he seems to have the balance right in the side yeah I, would, I wouldn't have said it was long ball I think, I think the point is that you know what showed again is that as Uzbekistan showed is, is possession without penetration is useless hmm. and we've been guilty of that a few times as well is, is playing the ball around in our own half backwards and forwards across the back four good sides will let you have the ball there because you're not going to hurt them you know, it's then when can we then move the ball forward quickly when we need to, and we did do that against Uzbekistan. But mm-hmm. I think for me, I think the best the best part in that game was at two nil when he took Harry Kiel off after 55 minutes. He put Robbie Cruz on. When if that would have been Verbeek or many other England managers in the past or European man, they'd have probably put Emerton on as a and gone to a gone to five in the middle and said, right, we're two nil up. Let's see this out. Let's sit on it. And you know, the danger with that is you then concede and all of a sudden the momentum of the game shifts again. And whether he'd, whether he'd made that decision to just be positive or whether he'd sensed that they were there for the taking in this particular game. And maybe if it, 
the situation arose in the same way against mm. Japan, maybe do something different. But whichever way it was, it was such a positive substitution that you then look at, well, what's, what are the knock-on effects of that? Well, Cruz got on the score sheet, Valeri got on the score sheet. You know, we ran them ragged and ran up six goals, you know, whereas that could have been a 2-0 win. And it's a, so I, I just thought it was a really positive move from the coach and, and fair play to him for that. Yeah. And, and with Pim, Cruz wouldn't have even been there. You know, yeah. he wouldn't have even been an option. Um, do you think Scott McDonald was a bit upset well, about that? <laughs> that was going to be my next question, Spencer. I mean, do you think that, that that signals that he's had a look at Scott McDonald and, and he doesn't I'm, or, I'm or was it just in that, that, that game? Um, look, Scott McDonald has, has had enough chances to, to, to get on the score sheet. He really has. And we have to be completely honest. Throughout his international career so far, he hasn't been playing against... Let's, let's say Italy and the world's best defences, he's had enough chances to, to get on a score sheet for the He also hasn't run. had a keeper that dives completely oh. over the ball like Robbie oh. Cruz. Oh, he's probably that, sat there going, why couldn't someone do that for me? <laughs> but look, at some point, and, and the coach and the managers have got to stand up and say, hang on, no, maybe we give someone else a chance. So Robbie Cruz is, you know, it's great for the A League that we, we're seeing these guys getting games. And, you know, like I said, Matt McCry. Uh, Robbie Cruz he, they're coming through and it's a credit to the league year that, the, that he is prepared to take the younger players and throw them on like you said in situations rather than bringing Bet Emerton on and shoring it up he, he brings on a young Socceroo from the A-League and, and he goes and shows that he's worthy of his place in, well, in the squad well he did it twice because he also left mm. Emerton on the bench to start Mm. You know, a very senior pro. Uh, that's you know, a big move. Who, wasn't it? He wasn't missed for injury. He missed the game through suspension. But again, that's a massive, you know, like vote of confidence in Matt Mackay that he said, "Well, do you know what? You're you're playing well. You hold the shirt. You know, Emerson will key. wait for his chance." That's the key. You hold the shirt, and I think Olga is a bit old school in that in that philosophy. That you know, if you're in and you're doing well, we have to be honest. The, the way Brett Emerton actually got himself suspended with a, a shirt pull it was needless and pointless and do you think he was maybe saying to Emerson I need more discipline from oh, you otherwise yeah you're not really I mean look I think that's going to be in his German makeup as a coach that it will be the, about the discipline will be there um, but also I think he's shown that he's willing to let the flair players go and show a bit of what they've got by putting Robbie Cruz on he's not sort of so set in his ways that it's so structured I think but, but but Emerton got himself sent, uh, suspended in a, in a silly style. So it was good that uh, he, he stuck with uh, yeah. Mackay. He's, he earned his place. He was fantastic for the two games. He's been sensational. Yeah. I mean, let's, let, I mean, let's talk about Mackay. I mean, I, I had hoped in the, in the lead-up to this game on Twitter, I was, I was hoping that he got a chance in the middle, just simply because I thought up until that game. And, and I do think that the last half an hour of that game might give us a little bit of false hope going into Japan because I think it would be a very different test but my concern had been that Yedinak and Valeri sat too deep and Harry and Tim were getting balls fired into them with no support and I thought Mackay would fill that hole and, and be fit enough and disciplined enough to get back but having said that he does give Carney that extra security blanket that he'll cover better than Holman will and then when we move Holman on the right hand side obviously there's a lot more experience there with Luke Wilkshire so um, I mean, do we think against Japan that we might see? Because certainly against South Korea, I felt that there was too big a gap between the centre midfield and the centre forwards. And That's because, we have to say, like the Uzbekistans, as we've talked about, they have such good possession football that, you know, they, they finish up with two banks of four sitting on almost on their edge of the box. 
that then it is hard to get the, the link play up. I, I'd like to see him stick with the same team. I know you're alluding maybe to bringing Brett Emerton back in. I think that the players that are in and have played in this semi-final and done the job that they've done should stay in the side. And you keep, you know, it's not about favouritism for players that are coming in. It's about going and winning a competition. And the players that are in there have earned the right to keep the shirts and get the starting jerseys for the final. And, and I don't think he'll make any changes. And the, yeah. the good thing is we've got options on the bench. I think, you know, Robbie Cruz is arguably the most on-form player we've got. You know, the form he is in the A-League coming in, the way he looked when he came on. And you've got someone like Brett Emerton. The experience he's got playing at the top level. Things aren't going right or you need to change it up. Um, but, yeah, you have to s- stick the same, same line-up. It was interesting seeing the, the comments from Mackay in the mix zone where he sort of said, you know, I was probably a bit intimidated to start with, but that's gone now. That, that yeah, he did that mental mm-hmm. jump from playing A-League to international football that he now feels like... I mean, is that a message to all the A-League players? That guys, you know... You know Matt Mackay is, is, you know, you'd probably say he's in the top tier of A-League players, but he's certainly not... He certainly wouldn't be everyone's standout player in the A-League. He'd be there or thereabouts. But does that say that there's probably 10 or 15 players here now that could make that step up? 10. The Leckies of this world? <laughs> 10. Uh, maybe 10. I'd question 15. No, 10, 10 possibly players that can could... You know, we, we've we've always Archie Thompson's name always comes up as a uh, someone up top. Hard for him to see him now breaking in and dislodging Harry Cool, who's proved the, the, the job that he's done up up front um, has been exceptional. But there are players like you say, the Lecky's coming through. Once we, you know, we've missed him this year in terms of being fit. He's now back in and and hopefully going to get some runs in the final, but. The younger players that are coming through, it, it has sent a message that, you know, if you go in and play without fear, which Brisbane have done throughout the year, by the way, there, there's no difference. The yeah. step up to international football is, is a big step, but if you go in and play without fear, you can hold your own. And you'd probably say, I swear, this is probably true for all levels of the game, that, that generally the higher level you get, the more time you actually get on the ball, but the less margin for error there is, as in, you know you'll get the chance to, to get on the ball, but then you have to pick that pass. There's no, like, it's there or thereabouts. You know? And I think Mackay is the yep. perfect person for that because he's very precise with his passing. He's very neat and tidy. His first touch is good. And he's good with the ball under pressure. Well, the one thing with him, that, having gone into the, into the Socceroos setup and the, the way he's played, he hasn't been playing, I call them Hollywood passes. He's just been playing his normal game, 10, yep. 15, 20-yard passes, gets the ball from A to B. Uh, and moves, uh, you know, plays and moves, and and it's so simple. It's only when a couple of players that have, have been in the setup think that they've. It, it's, it's not that it's about them, but that they're trying to impress uh, and playing 50, 40, 50 yard balls, and they're not quite getting there. That's where the problem comes in. Mm, yeah, he's just concentrating on not doing anything massively wrong when he first got in, wasn't he? It was just, just you know, keep, keeping it thought, simple, and that's worked for him. I thought another telling point, particularly when we, you know having been there in 2007 when the talk was of divisions within the camp and I'm messed Schwartz are running the length of the pitch to celebrate yeah. Bobby Cruz yeah, you know? yeah. I just thought that was a really good sort of signal that you know it is a happy camp everyone's sort of on the mm. side you know they seem to really enjoy Cruz's goal didn't they yeah. you know the whole team would, you know seems to be behind seeing another young lad come in and do well yeah alright well um we will face the Blue Samurai, Japan, in the final. Um, a topsy-turvy semi-final, which was uh, 
an amazing equaliser from South Korea in, in with three seconds to go at extra time. Now, Spence, as an ex-player, did, was that, you know, to then like go on such a high into the penalties and miss every one, was it almost like they felt they'd won with that equaliser and then it's like, well, you've got to, oh, jeez, just... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think... We've seen Japan in the last couple of games. They, um, the, the round before where they go down to 10 men, 2-0 down and still, 1-0 down and still manage to win the game. They've got unbelievable determination to go on and win this tournament. They really have. It's going to be a fantastic final, one that you know, I, I, I think everybody has wanted to, to see. Um, the game against Korea... They knew what they wanted to achieve. The fact that they've had to do it through penalties was completely irrelevant. They, they, they're, a, they're a very, very dominant country in terms of their, their football and they've got such discipline that that wouldn't have affected them. They would have gone into the penalties confident still. I think no matter what level of football you're playing at, if you've got the belief and the confidence, it doesn't matter if it takes penalties to win it. Yeah. Um, conceding a goal so late on wouldn't have had any impact on them at all. You know, them as a, as a nation, they, they're not that sort of people that they they have the highs and the lows. They, they just would have been, all right, it's a situation that we just deal with. I like their coach in the World Cup. Their Japanese coach became famous for his just face that never changed. All right, well, we're going to preview the uh, preview the final in the final section, but also we'll have a quick uh, review of the A League uh, last weekend. Um, saw Adelaide wallop North Queensland eight one. Is that the highest A League score? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, now there's a fair bit of chatter on Twitter at the time that this was, you know, that this was a disgrace that the FFA have caused this. Um, by you know the the indecision over Fury's of you know future, mm. I was sort of you know my Villa team have got 140 million by wage bill. We got spanked at Chelsea seven one last year. Mm. You know I just think this sort of ha- these results happen. You know they happen regularly. You know Wigan got beat eight one at Spurs. You know of course Fury's you know situation is far from ideal. But was this just a case of them being outplayed on the night? Um, Adelaide are a decent side. We have to give a little bit of credit to them. So they could have switched off and, and relaxed uh, at some point in the game. But you know they're a good, good side. So we have to give them a bit of credit rather than just bagging North Queensland. I think you know let's let's look at Adelaide and say how well they've played this year. Um, North Queensland, it, it is unfortunate what's going on up there. That they, they now we've got a team up there. We do need to try and keep it. Um, They've got a good coach in place. They're going to lose some of their players. Um, it's just, you know, we, we, the, the quicker the situation can get resolved up there, the better. Yeah, well, I think the problem is, is that unless they make decisions soon, they're going to lose all of their players. Because That's right. Players yeah. have got to make a living. They've got to look after themselves, you know. I think that they've slipped down to another level, haven't they, Fury, in recent weeks? And it might be because they're getting towards the end of the season. They're not going to make the finals and they just want the season done now, don't they, really? Yeah. All right, Saturday night saw... Uh, an entertaining and controversial uh, Melbourne derby. Melbourne victory two, Melbourne Heart two. Uh, great comeback for Melbourne Heart, but obviously it was soured by the, the Kevin Musket tackle on Adrian Zara. Um, gents, quickly, I mean, this has been done to death. The decision's going to be announced by the time uh, you're probably listening to this podcast. Tonight the, at the, six, the final adjudication yes. will be out. Spencer, as a, as a fellow pro, what did you make of that? Uh, 
what's disappointed me, and I said it on Fox on Sunday, what disappointed me more than anything else was Ernie Merrick's reaction after the game. When, peop- when he was asked a question about the tackle, he completely brushed over it. Would have been a great chance. I, I know he's got to back his player, but it was such a horrendous tackle. It would have been a great chance for him to come out and say, you know, we, we don't accept it. It was, it was a shocker. But he just completely brushed over it. And, you know, you can only defend your players to a certain level. Um, Muskie's, you know, it, it, was, it was such a bad tackle on a young player that's just coming into the game. You know, the way he reacted after the tackle... Um, having a pop at the referee, then walking off, and then coming out the next day and saying his only thoughts are the welfare of the player, and it was a mistimed tackle. I mean, if it was a mistimed tackle, he would have gone over to the player straight away and looked at his welfare there and then. It was very, very reactionary. Once he knew he was going to be in a lot of trouble, that him and Ernie suddenly come out the next day in front in the media and saying... Oh, you know, we are very, very sorry. Well, it's a little bit late for me. For me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, Kevin's about to move into management where he's going to be coaching young, young lads like this. And that looks like that's how he's going to exit the game. I mean, it's not ideal preparation for, you know, his management. But it's, it's a shame they overshadowed that game, which was a great game. And it overshadowed the whole round in the A-League, didn't it? Which was the highest scoring round in the history of the, of the league. Oh, um, Stato. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Adelaide helped that, yeah. obviously. But, you know, all, all the guys are high scoring. And, yeah, it's just a shame that we're all talking about that this week. Well, uh, you've, you've touched on it. That he's going to be going into the coaching and mm. management side. And this is, a, this is a big issue for me, that you've got these players that are coming back now and they're getting playing contracts. But then on top of that, to get enticed, they're being given coaching contracts. He, he's never coached. When he, when he was given that, he's never coached. So you're dishing these coaching gigs out to to guys that we don't know if they're going to be any decent as coaches. And for him now to be going over to the other side, like you say, passing that sort of stuff on to the kids, I mean, that's not the way we want young players to be playing. OK, um, moving on. Uh, what's the other game? Gold Coast. Gold Coast. <laughs> Handing out their own uh, spanking. 5-1 to the Jets. Now, didn't see this coming. I thought the Jets might go up there and trouble them, but it wasn't to be. Um, Trev... Yeah, okay, I mean, we talked last week, didn't we, Gita about Gita yeah, and Smelt, that they're going to be um, you know, a real problem. And I thought it might take a few weeks before they started clicking and they've kicked off straight away. Um, so that they're still, you know, well in the run. And it's going to be an interesting finals, isn't it? You know, that, all that top four deserve to win it, you know, to a certain extent. They're, they're good enough on, on a regular season to win it. I just think with, with them, with the Gita and Smelt's, Jason Kalina was that final piece in that puzzle, you know. We're playing with them almost as a front three, and they're going to miss Jason for the rest of the season. And uh, I, I just think that that's the one piece that's going to stop them going on and winning it. Mm. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sunday games: Wellington uh, hammered Perth four nil, and Mariners came back from two nil down to uh, to draw a Sydney further. Title credentials from the Mariners, you know, that resilience coming back from Tuna down at home. Yeah, I, look. Or was it Sydney's defensive foul is being shown again? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more going to say that. I mean, the, the second goal, Scott Jameson was marking uh, Matty Simon. Uh, I'm sorry, but Popper's, Popper's a good ex pro that would be meticulous on things like set pieces. And now they've got Scotty Jameson marking Matt Simon. He's just. 
It, it's bonkers. It really is. Uh, you know, you you you, man, you pair up players to say, right, you mark in, you mark in. Oh, let's put the smallest defender that we've got on the biggest centre forward and their goal scorer. It, it didn't make sense, and it's things like that. That sort of a little bit of professionalism that I. I I just think it's missing at the moment from Sydney that's taken them where they've gone this year. Um, Central Coast, uh, they are dominant again and it's great to see that they're trying to play football, although they're, they're, they're not quite playing as good as the Adelaide's and, and uh, Brisbane. I, I just think that they're getting by again on their physicality. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, two games last night on Australia Day. Um, very busy sporting day yesterday with the Socceroos in the early hours. Uh, Premier League, Carling Cup, cricket, tennis, football. Um, so the two games that's like Brisbane uh, got up 2-0, two late goals from James Meyer in the 84th and 88th minute. Uh, obviously playing at Skill Park because of the, the flood damage. Um, so again, with, with Matt Mackay away, you know, they've shown, Brisbane have shown they can play without him, without yep. their skipper. Well, that's been the key to the successful season. When they've had important players out, they've still been winning. And, you know, going, going to the finals, that's why they're, they seem almost unstoppable, don't they? And Spence, as a coach, is that the sign of a, of, a, of a good coach, that he's got a system that the personnel are interchangeable, that they come in, right? We don't, we don't change the way we play? Yeah, look, I'm, I mean, arguably, he's got to be, certainly within, a, within Australia, but globally. I mean, the, the change that Ange Postacoglu has had on, on Brisbane Raw getting rid of all the old senior players, bringing these younger guys through, getting them playing football the way that they're playing. I mean, I'd pay to go and watch Brisbane play. They're they're fantastic to watch. It's about the team and the structure. It's not about any individuals. Like you say, Matty Mackay's gone, someone else comes in, and and nothing changes. And and that's an an unbelievable credit to Ange Postacoglu that he's got this squad of players that, that are just great to watch. Yep. Oh, we'll have to see, obviously, uh, that was Luke Devere's last game last night. So I think he's, uh, he's been a, a very vital cog in their back four. He has. But for, for them now, it's going to be what they do next season. They lost Devere. I mean, how are they going to keep all this group? There's a salary cap, right? So a lot of these players the came in. Their now, values yeah. are going up. They're going to be asking for a bit more coin. Matty Mackay is outside. I mean, he's inside the salary or, the salary cap, so he's not a marquee. They just re-signed, haven't they? So yeah, a very smart move on that. Absolutely, yeah. of course it is. He's but on a three-year know, deal, I think. How they're going to? That's going to be the biggest test for them. He's keeping these players together. Yeah. Okay, the other game last night was a regulation win for Melbourne Victory up in North Queensland. Three-nil goals from Danny Olsop and a brace in the second half from Matty Dugansic. Um Melbourne Victory still on the hunt, up to fifth. Um, quick look at the table, Brisbane. Uh, play 27-56 points and then there's uh, a nine point gap although the Mariners have a game in hand the Mariners tellingly have now gone a a point above Adelaide Um, and Gold Coast back in fourth on 42 points with a game in hand the two other final spots are held by Victory and Hart uh, with a four point gap Um, and then we need to go point back to Wellington so you'd probably say still eighth and above can make it Newcastle up um, but we're running out of games now. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure out of those people hoping to get in the finals, who's going to make an impact though. You know, that someone might scrape in, but it's not like you know there's someone charging through and might make a difference in the final. It's still that top four, isn't it? Yeah. So for you, the, the champions are going to come out of that top four. You don't see a, a 
a bolter from fifth or sixth? No, not at all. Uh, I mean, for me, Brisbane win it anyway because they finish top of the table at the end of the season. So they win it. Forget the grand final nonsense. That's just <laughs> showcase stuff. This is this is the the bread and butter. Winning, winning this, so that they'll get their, they get the Asia AFC place for next year, which they, they fully deserve. Um, in terms of going into finals, because there's sort of three teams battling it out for, dare I say, three teams battling it out for six spot. That momentum that that can then take on is, you know, we can't under underestimate how how valuable that is. Getting that momentum going into finals, you see it a lot in the UK where playoff, the playoff, the, the playoff yeah, teams, the team that creeps in, yeah. yeah, they're the ones that you know Leicester did it, and the, it's that oh, it's a little bit of success that suddenly we've got a sniff. And if Wellington Phoenix get it, oh, they might cause a little bit of trouble, you know, play, having to go. Um, Going and playing against against Wellington, I I think that they're they've really underachieved this year, com- considering the squad they've got. Yeah, I mean, have we seen it in the A League much? You talk about the you know, UK playoffs, but has there been a Bolter team that's gone on to win? You know, normally the people that go on to win I the mean, grand final. Last year was obviously the first one in the top six, and it was ended up one v two was the grand final. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. All right, well that's it. A very long first uh, segment. If you're still with us, you can take a break now. Go and put the kettle on. Uh, we'll be back after this to talk uh, main news headlines on our website au.442.com The new issue of 442 is on sale now and we look at one of the closest title races in English Premiership history We speak to Carlos Tevez, Gareth Bale Frank Lampard, Nani and analyse just how Cesc Fabregas makes Arsenal tick Also in our site are A-League hotshots Leckie, Cruz, Gite, Brosk and Williams we go one-on-one with Gus Poirier and Simon Cooper pulls no punches in his piece on where Australia's World Cup bid went wrong. It's on sale now at all good news agents and on the iPad via iTunes. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to look at some of the top news stories in a busy week for football. They all seem to be busy at the moment. Um, Sydney FC are accusing... Uh, Shimizu S. Pulse um, of tapping up Alex Brosk. So um, it's, not, it's not often you're tapping up an A-League player in the same sentence, but yep. um, they've said that he's made an illegal approach, uh, or the club have made an illegal approach, and um, he's certainly had his head turned by it, because now he, he's sort of intimating that he wants to leave, but they've said, well, you're under contract. Um, there appears to be a buyout clause, but no one knows really what that is. Um, Trev? Yeah, I mean, Sydney's claim is that, you know, they came over, they actually met with Brosk, they, you know, got, yeah, they did the terms, and so Brosk has to accept a bit of responsibility, he must have known that, if this is true, he must have known that, you know, that was wrong as well, and when they approached him, they just put in an offer, they didn't say, can we speak to the player, they just went, oh, we'll we'll give you this much for him, and and then that's where it kind of kicked on, but I think people are pleased to see Sydney sticking up for themselves and the A-League sticking up for themselves because there's a bit of an attitude that it's kind of a gateway to Asia, isn't it? Yeah, but, but the, important, I mean, the important thing is, as we said about Luke Devere and you know, Matt Mackay and as players, you know, it will be a development league. The A-League will mm. be developed. The important thing is, is that the clubs get the, the right level of compensation in terms of transfer fees for their players because that's the way pretty much every league in the world, bar the top leagues, operate is the way that clubs are financially solvent is by developing their young talent and selling it. Even clubs as big and successful as Ajax, that's always been their model. Dare I say, having lost the World Cup, the, the next step here is to, diver- is to develop the, the home product, the home 
brand that we've got, which is the A-League, right? So if we're going to lose the best players, then make sure we do get really well compensated yeah. instead of just going for peanuts. You know, I, I don't want to see the best players now going overseas. I want to see them staying here. I want to see the A-League get better. Um, it's the pathway for young players to go to. We don't, you know, we want young players looking up to Alex Brosk playing in Sydney, not to him playing over in the J League or the K League or over in the Swiss second division. We want him here, setting the world alight here and have the kids following him here, not yeah. overseas. And it's also replaying, you know, if they're taking one of, one of it doesn't matter whether it's Sydney or whatever, if they're taking an a, one of an A League club's better players, yeah, then they need to be able to have the money to go and replace that player. And potentially the A-League club needs to go into the transfer market and bring someone over. Sven, mm. um, on, on a personal note, you ever been tapped up? Did it ever happen in your... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, oh, football-wise. Yeah, you're retired now. <laughs> Good to, oh, was it, it was when I was at South End and, uh, as a kid. And there was a possibility that I might have had the chance to go to... Uh, an East London club and how did in you Claret become aware of that possibility oh well it was only it was <laughs> before I signed my, it was before I signed my, signed my first pro contract and I went in and uh, saw the manager who was Davey Webb at the time and said Gaffer I've got to tell you I'm not signing my contract he said you what I said I'm not signing I'm only a like seven, 16 17 year old kid he said you've been tapped up my son <laughs> Right? This is Webby, he was brutal. And I said, oh, no, I haven't, I haven't. Honestly, he said, you've been tapped up. He said, you don't sign that contract, so I'll make sure no one ever signs you. And I, I, to be fair, I, I think it took me all of 30 seconds to just <laughs> sign the contract. And uh, the rest is history. But um, it, after that, look, I never used agents. I always said the PFA did my contracts. It's only agents that are... Uh, uh, having this influx. Alex Brosk wouldn't have known about it. it, would have gone straight through his agent. So agents have got an enormous responsibility and a big part to play in this. They're, they're only interested in their own welfare, forget the players, they want to make their own coin. Transfer window is their only opportunity to do it now, so they're trying to make hay while the sun shines and you know, it, it happens. It's just a part of football life that, that tapping up does go and if the clubs think that they can go through the agent to get the player, then they'll do that. I mean, is it true to say the best thing that can happen for an agent is a player to move regularly? As in a- absolutely. For agent, of course it is. Without doubt, if the agents, that's the only way that they make their own money is to move the players. And the other thing as well is if this agent, Brosk's agent, was being paid to get the deal done by the J-League J- club... He's then working for the J-League club and not for the player because he's just trying to make sure the deal gets done so he gets his coin. Um, I, I'm over it and, you know, we've, you know, we're going to talk about the Matildas in a bit. We're even starting seeing these girls getting flipping agents on board now. It's, it's something that is part of the modern day football. Okay. Uh, a different route to market um, it was Tom Rowich. Uh, uh, ACT uh, Starlet was over at the uh, finals of the Nike Chance. So this is a global initiative that Nike had uh, to win a place at um, the Nike Academy, the Premier League Academy in the UK. So there were 100 hopefuls from around the world. Tom was one of four uh, from Australia and New Zealand who won the Pacific Trials. Um, all four of them got in the top 32. Incredible. And uh, Tom was lucky enough to be one of the eight. So, uh, you know, again, that's another... Um, Real tick in the box for the talent that we are producing here. 
We, uh, there is. I mean, uh, this is this is a part of the thing for me that there's young kids that are coming through. We've got some real talented players from, dare I say, right through from under 12s, right to under 17s, under 18s. They shouldn't be in such a rush to go overseas. They should stay here, learn the game, play some A-League football, get some games under their belt, professional games, before they start going over to Europe with their heads in the clouds and thinking they're suddenly going to be playing in the Premier League in two years' time. Just learn your trade and stay here and do that. They don't have to be in such a rush to go overseas. Yep. Well, it's a massive leg up. Ado was over there every step of the way. Yeah. Uh, pictures every day from there. And uh, obviously, we work very closely with Nike. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try and um, get something regularly from Tom. Uh, so maybe set him up on a website as a blogger so he can keep, in t- keep us in touch with everything that goes on at the academy, which is based out of Loughborough University up there, which is one of the main sort of sports science colleges in England. So uh, we'll definitely follow his progress. It was um, 75,000 trialists when I took to make the top eight. So congratulations to Tom. Well done, Tom. Uh, Mitch Langerak, another uh, young Aussie headed overseas, only 22, has been impressing at um, Borussia Dortmund. Goalkeeping coach has come out and headed the beer. And said that uh, he's developing really well. Um, Great name. <laughs> Teddy De- Teddy De Beer. <laughs> would have been even better if it was an A, would it? <laughs> Teddy De Beer. Um, everything we're looking for, uh, we've seen in him. He has the potential. We've been working on his catching, handy, and his positioning <laughs> play. <laughs> um, Mitch, you know, no doubt about it, was probably one of our, uh, our brightest goalkeeping prospects. It's important that he develops well. Again, What's your thoughts, Spencer, on, on this, this progress? You know, he spent a, broke through into the Melbourne team, probably had a season mm-hmm. in two parts, and then he's gone to be a, a number two or three at a Bundesliga club. Uh, uh, what I'd like to see is him getting, you know, Dortmund have obviously taken him in. Uh, taken him in. I, I'd like to see him getting out and playing first-team games. It's great working with goalkeeping coaches, no, problem, no question about it. That's the day-to-day stuff. They need to be playing games. Proper games, real yeah. meaningful games. So if it means he has to go out on loan, they, they let him out. Whether it's to come back here and play for a, a, an A-League club here, play some first-team football, that's, that's more important than the day-to-day training and practising catching the ball. You see it quite a lot in Spain, don't you? In Spain especially, where the, the, the Real Madrid's and Barcelona's will buy a player but let him stay with the club for, and, and get first-team opportunities there. And yeah, 22 years, of, 22 years old, he needs to be playing first-team football. Mm. I think that's strange, that sort of buy and then loan straight back, because then you kind of leave the club, but then you're still at the I just, yeah. I just think it, for, the, for the player mentally, it's, it strikes me as being a little bit strange. All right, um... Back in the UK, uh, there's been a fair bit of uh, attention on the, the Sky presenters, Richard Keyes and Andy Gray. Um, both have now lost their jobs over uh, comments. Well, it's not just those comments, but, but what brought it to a head were comments they made about um, the female Lions woman uh, for the Liverpool um, Wolves game. Uh, and they've both now lost their jobs for the sexist nature of those remarks and, and that other things have come out and off-air or what was supposedly off-air videos have been leaked. Um, Spencer, as someone who's worked in that environment as a pundit, I mean, what, what's your thoughts on this? It's a very male-dominated industry, it really is. Um, it's unfortunate what's happened. But the most unpo- unfortunate thing is, is the comments that actually came out of the two guys' mouths. I think, you know, there's no need for it 
in the day society. If you know, I thought I thought she did a great job actually. The, well, that was the thing. that game, yeah. you know, that the, first the, goal, the decision was was right. Was spot on. She absolutely got it spot on, and you know, arguably, there's many many male linesmen that have been in the, would have been in the same position that would have got it wrong. So, male or female, you do your job, and if you do it and you do it to to the level that's asked, then, then it doesn't matter, you know, what sex you are. Not in this society, not now. Um, you know, we still haven't seen a female coach over there yet. I know that Hope Powell has... She's been talked about being talked good about enough. Talked about going in and, and, you know, if she got asked to go and do a job. But, you know, it, it's... It, it, I'd, like, I'd like to see... You know, I, I'm, I'm pleased with the, what's come out of it. Richard Keyes resigned and Andy Gray got sacked. I think it was an easy opportunity for Sky to sack him, by the way. There was all the videos that were coming out. From, from my understanding was that he's upset people behind the scenes and suddenly well, these certainly videos are the case with the leaks coming out and yeah, that's people but that are like seeing an opportunity and going right well let's just bury them but now. Jacko to be fair I mean they're only being leaked if things have been said and you know it's obviously in his makeup. we have to remember he was Ron Atkinson's assistant at, uh, at Villa at one point and we don't know what happened to Big Ron so you know, it's, it's in today's modern society, it's not called for the comments that have come out of their, their mouth. Do you think Sky will make a statement here and potentially pick a female anchor? It's an opportunity. There's, there's yeah, maybe. Around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's gone the right way because there's just a couple of dinosaurs, weren't they, really, that were clinging on to their jobs. Um, and I think the most disappointing thing about the comments, you know, regardless of their tone, they would have been disappointed. But they said it with real venom, didn't they? You know, yeah, it, it, was, it, it, was it, it wasn't inappropriate... Though, joking it was a genuine disgust that she'd been placed in that position and, and yeah just pleased they're gone really okay uh final is the pfa i think we we mentioned this uh, at the end of last week but obviously it's now on the website that they will um uh, the alex tobin medal night will be in aid of the flood relief which is a, yet another great gesture um but you can also uh win a place at the night to be there when mark viduka is uh He's put an, uh, up among the legends of the game by receiving the uh, Alex Tobin medal. So there's a couple of, uh, if you go to our website, you can tweet your way to Dukes' dinner. So um, you need to uh, tweet either the greatest moments, the career mark for Duca, or three greatest moments in the history of Victorian football. Um, and you can tweet who you think the PFA A-League team of the season will be in a 4-3-3 formation, of course. Mm. Um, greatest moments... If you were going to pick a greatest moment of Mark Baduka's career? Liverpool game. Was it four yeah, against Liverpool? Four goals, yeah. Yeah, that would have, have to be it. OK, that's it for uh, part two. That's all the news from our website, au.442.com. We'll be back in part three to talk more with Spencer on his uh, new role with the Matildas and the upcoming World Cup. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300-4-Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to spend the next few minutes talking with our special guest this week, Spencer Pryor, uh, predominantly about his uh, new role with the Matildas. So Spencer, tell us, tell us a little bit about how this came about. Obviously you've been working your way through the coaching system, doing your badges, 
yeah. uh, when I did my C's too, there was a there was a thing up there. Kelly Cross put up a thing with this fella, the perfect heading technique. Well, who can guess it? Is? I was like, that's Spencer Pryor. So, <laughs> so you're being used as a, as we're coming up through the system. You've been up there. So you've done the the C, B, and A. You've gone through that. I did the B in the UK before I moved over. So um, it was then looking at doing the A license and where I did it, whether I went back and did it through UEFA or did it through AFC. And, and my future's here, this is home. So I just thought, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to jump ship and go back to UEFA and do it. I'll, I'll stay here and work through the system here. And, you know, Kelly was brilliant. Uh, Han has been excellent to work with as well. So um, I'm, I'm pleased with the direction that I've, I've, I've chosen. The job came up because Robbie Hooker got... Yeah, promoted. He got a move. Yeah. Well, I'd say yeah. promoted. Tom called it a demotion. <laughs> but you know, he's gone across from the Matildas to the Socceroos, which you know instantly shows that you know is another pathway that the women's football area just isn't isn't seen as well. You've gone into women's football. It's it's just football. So uh, the role came up. Hooks left and. Han phoned me before he went away to Asia and to Europe and said, you know, would you be keen? And I jumped at the chance. I mean, it's a great opportunity I've got with the World Cup and the Olympic qualifiers. Have you spent any time working with the players yet? No, not yet. I, I've worked with a few of them when we were doing the A licence because they came into camp and did, uh, did some of the sessions for us. So a few of the girls I know anyway through the A licence. Um, I've just been going around watching W League games, yeah. uh, meeting the players there, talking to them, getting introduced, and seeing what they do. The, you know, a load of the girls have come back. They've all been playing overseas, but they've actually come back to play in the W League, which is credit to that league that it's actually developing and, and bringing the players back. So it's given me a chance to go and watch them. We're going to first camp in March. So looking Will that forward. be here? Will that be in Australia? Yeah, we're doing four camps in Canberra and then looking to go up to the Gold Coast after that. Okay. Mm, I think one thing I would say about the Matildas at the moment having a really good blend of experienced players to youngsters coming through because you've got Heather Garrick as the more experienced player, you've got Sam Kerr coming through. Was that your impression of them that you know when it goes into a tournament like that, you've got exactly the right sort of blend of youth and experience? Are you talking experience? We're talking about 25-year-old girls. I mean, it's... They're young. They're still young. They they start so early though, don't yeah, they? Yeah, I know. And you know, we've got girls that are potentially will be coming into the camp that are sort of six, seven years mm. old. And you know, they do. They start a lot younger. I think it's just a uh, thing that they get a little bit more sort of mentally mature and they can handle it a little bit easier than the boys. But they, there's some great young players that are coming in. As you said, a great blend. Um, they've got some real firepower up front, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Kate Gill. Uh, I mean, yeah, well, Lisa Devana, Sam Kerr. I mean, there's some good players, really, really good players. I mean, they're they're going to go into the World Cup with a bit of an expectation now, being Asian champions. So how they're going to deal with that? Yeah, I mean, if you thought about the difference between coaching girls versus coaching the men, have you a different approach? Or I think there'll be a slight difference. Ultimately, though, they're footballers. They wanted to be. They want to be treated like footballers. Tom's very, very relaxed. I mean, I've, I've spent a bit of time in his company now, and he, there, there are certain characteristic differences you get with the girls that you would probably expect. Um, I mean, 
Boys moan as much as the girls do. <laughs> I, I remember talking to Alistair Edwards, who's obviously coached the young Matildas, at, when I was doing my coaching course, and I asked him what the main difference was. He said, when you're coaching girls, you've got to be prepared for them to ask you why they're doing everything. And they will they, remember. They, you know, they, they're like, they're not just setting someone up mm. saying, we're going to do this. It's like, why are we doing this? Well, the thing yeah. is, is we're like, if, we, if, if you tell a girl something, one of the players, they'll, they'll remember it, and they'll throw it back to you sort of six months, eight months down the line, whereas boys are just like, ooh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. It's just like they live in the now and it's like goldfish. But the, but the girls will remember and they will. They'll ask you lots of questions. So as a coach, it will be testing. Looking forward to that. You know, well, why are we doing that? And you have to explain it to the girls rather than saying, because I told you so. All right. I mean, let's talk about you as a coach. Mm. Um, I'm sort of going through this myself as well. It's like when you sort of, you're a particular type of player. Yeah, and we, we remember you. No <laughs> nonsense defender. Been a forceful <laughs> character on the pitch. I once got told by Stefano Aranio, he said, Darby said, Spencer, will you stop kicking the ball in the stand? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but what sort, have, you, have you thought about what sort of persona and character you want to be as a coach? And, and you know, Tom's very relaxed and very laid back, both with the players, but mm-hmm. also with the media. And I mean, is it a conscious decision that you say, right, this is the sort of coach I'm going to be? I've got my own philosophies. Um, Tom's got his, so I'm working under him. I'll have to stick, you know, we stick with his philosophy going into the World Cup and the way that he wants to play. I'll try and put my own sort of touch on it as well. I think that's why I've been brought in, not just to be bibs, balls and cones, man. It's to actually have an input on how the girls will play. Um, I want to. I want to play a passing game as a coach. I want. I want the players to be able to pass the ball, to move, to you know. We, like I said, I, I'm watching Brisbane Moor play, and it's a f- wonderful, wonderful thing to see. The, the way that you can get players to play if they're fit enough, they're comfortable on the ball, and technically they're good enough. And and the girls that I've seen can all pass the ball, you know. Um, Sally Shippard is a phenomenal passer. She really is great on the ball. It's just making sure we've got players around her that are as comfortable and can and, and can all gel together. So I, I do have my philosophy, and you know we, we'll try and take it into the World Cup. Are you going to be a screamer and a shouter on the sideline, or are you going to be composed? I played with one of them. They one of them with Gary Megson, and uh, <laughs> no one, no one likes playing with me for Meggy. Put it, you know. You only played for me because of the coin, not because of you, you loved him as a gaffer. Um, no, I, look, will I be a screaming shout? I don't think I don't think you're allowed to. I think you know we see coaches are all, all told now to sit down in the technical area. You're not allowed to stand up. So Holger got in a bit of trouble, didn't he? Oh, I mean, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's I like nice to it. see that. You know, it's good to see. I like seeing a Bitty little bit. acting as a peacemaker. <laughs> hey, I, I'm a passionate coach. You know, if something's not right on the pitch, you try and change it. I think that's what you've got to be able to do. And you can't just wait till half time to give your instructions. You've got to be able to do it a little bit beforehand. So. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, nice time to come in. It's fantastic. Build up to a World Cup uh, over in Germany. Um, fantastic opportunity. Um, let's have a brief chat about the opponents. Obviously, Brazil, favourites, one of the favourites, knocked us out last time, you mm. know, when we did very well to get back into the game, but um, in the end they just had a little bit too much for us. Norway, who are always strong, and Equatorial Guinea, who you'd probably say we would look to, that would look to be the game where 
we can guarantee ourselves three points. No one knows anything about Equatorial You've Guinea. You've not scouted them yet? No, I've not been over there and scouted. <laughs> I think they've got... Didn't they get in a bit of trouble because they've uh, the, maybe played a, a man? A man, yeah. Yeah, there, there was a bit of controversy over that. So, so I mean, that's that, going to be... That's all anyone seems to know about. Yeah, them, I, exactly. But, you know, we, we have to... Uh, going into this, this is, this is something that, you know, I, I want to have an input on. We have to treat every team with exactly the same respect. You know, they're there on merit. So... Um, Norway aren't as strong as they have been in the past, um, but they, but again they're there on merit. So the girls are really focusing on getting through the group stages, and that's the, that's their their main goal is just to get qualified and, and get past the group stages. It's great that they've got Brazil in the first game. Mm. I think that really sets the tone for the tournament. Yeah. Um, arguably, that could be. That could be a, a semi-final fixture, you know, with with the reputation that both teams have got going into this. Mm. It's a good game to start. If, if honest, it looks like a group where four points would be enough, though. You know, if it's you know, say Brazil are, are very very strong, the Norway game would be big, and then it's perhaps how many you could get against Equatorial Guinea without being too disrespectful to them. But yeah, you'd, you'd say a, a win and a draw, and you could get out of there, couldn't you? I want to win every game. Oh, of course. No, oh, we do. We go in. We don't Brazil go in. Up, it's Brazil up first on the 29th of June. That. If you're in a group like that, so as a player or as a coach, would you do you want the, the strongest team up first? Because then that sort of lets you know what you need to do. Because if you were to go out and get a point in that game... <laughs> we looked, if you argue, I mean, look what happened with the Socceroos in the World Cup, yeah. playing Germany first yeah. up. But, yeah, I, I'm happy that we got Brazil first up. I, I am. Uh, it, it, it will show where we are in terms of our preparation for the tournament, how, how well we've prepared. Um, after you've played Brazil uh, not that it gets easier because like I said you've got to respect the other teams but you know the girls will if they get a decent result against Brazil first and foremost put in a decent performance but also then get a decent result it really sets them up to get through the group stage mm. yeah. yeah I know I know Tom was saying about it's good that they, you haven't got Ecuador or Guinea first because you don't know anything about them. Mm. At least you're going to get to see them, you know, play against Norway and to get an idea of what they're like. Well, it's a, I mean, just looking at the groups here, it's a massively strong tournament. You know, there's only 16 teams. You know, and obviously, if we uh, come second in Group D, which you'd probably say would be the most likely scenario if we're going to progress, then we face the winner of Group C, which is the USA, Korea, Colombia, and Sweden. Well, we, I think it will be. I think the two, the two stronger teams, obviously, are the US and Korea. The US only just scraped in, by the way, in yeah, the playoffs. Yeah. So, quite where they're going into the tournament, nobody really knows. But, you know, I, the, the, the main goal is to get through the group stages and then worry about those after. I think the, the, the girls are capable of beating, on, on their day, they'll be capable of beating anybody. So... You know, we'll deal with that when, when we get through the group. 16-team right. tournament's better, I reckon. Yeah, it's certainly yeah. Uh, fast Perform. and furious. Isn't it? Um, all right, well, it all kicks off on uh, Sunday, June 26th in Germany. Um, I believe it's live on SBS. It is going on SBS, yeah. yeah it's been a FIFA tournament, so that's great. It's on free-to-air, and we know from the ABC coverage of the women's game, it gets great ratings. You know, women's football in every area of the country at junior level is exploding, so this is another great chance for the girls on the world stage. Uh, mate, talk just briefly about the, the business side of things, your retail business still going strong? It is, yeah. Um, obviously, with my involvement with the Matildas, I'm, I'm having a little bit less to do with it, 
there's still a couple of the other guys are running it, and re, you know it's just about to kick off. Football season registration day start yeah. locally this so weekend. It's a big time for you, people buying their new boots. This yeah, season. it is. Um, Nike seem to keep changing their styles every three months still, which is great for us as retailers. Um, but you know, the, yeah, the, the the kids still all want the Nikes and the, the bling bling boots and. We're seeing some of the colours that are coming out for this season. <laughs> God, I'll tell you what, you've got to have some, uh, some bra- bravado to wear them. It's, tif- it's difficult for me working in, in, that, in the business and the kids want all the bright boots. I'm just saying, no, mate, go for the black boots. Are you a good player? Yeah, go for black boots. Cause, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, it's amazing what, what the footwear that you see out there now, but still, still Copperman deals are the best boots on the market. So if you live in uh, if you live in Northern Beaches Way, head in. Love football. Where's the address? It's uh, Sturdy Parade in Dy. So Beautiful. we're floating up. around at registration days, going and setting up some shops at those. So it's, there's some bargains to be had, and also some some fantastic new boots. Excellent. And online, lovefootball.com.au. It is www.lovefootball.com.au. Don't confuse it with I Love Football, but that's the Hyundai site. <laughs> yeah, Hyundai site. All right, well, that's it for, uh, thanks Spencer for that chat and insight into the new role in Matildas. We'll be back in section four to preview the Asian Cup final. Uh, actually, Trev, do you remember last week when I said, yeah. will we be back next Thursday previewing soccer as an yeah. Asian Cup final? You said no, I said yes. Yep, I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up, but you informed me that we'll be playing Japan in the semis. But let's no, be no, honest, no, I, well. I, had a, it was, I was obviously working ahead. <laughs> Because that was my reason why I didn't think yeah, we'd make the final. But Trev is also a West Ham supporter, so he is allowed to be a little bit pessimistic. Yeah, yeah exactly. After this morning or so. Uh, and we'll uh, also be previewing quickly uh, A-League Round 25, which kicks off uh, tomorrow night. So stick with us. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, and we look at one of the closest title races in English Premiership history. We speak to Carlos Tevez, Gareth Bale, Frank Lampard, Nani, and analyse just how Cesc Fabregas makes Arsenal tick. Also in our Cider A-League hotshots Leckie, Cruz, Gite, Brosk and Williams. We go one-on-one with Gus Poirier and Simon Cooper pulls no punches in his piece on where Australia's World Cup bid went wrong. It's on sale now at all good news agents and on the iPad via iTunes. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, We are now going to preview Socceroos versus Japan to become Asian champions uh, and also, as we were just discussing off air, a a place at the Confederations Cup. And an extra holiday for us to Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! We're going sooner than we thought. Us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Us? Yeah. Okay. Right, I'll see that. Uh, So a lot at stake. Um, obviously, the Matildas led the way for becoming Asian champion. So, and I think we looked at this that I don't think anybody no. ever has simultaneously been male and female Asian champion. So, it'd be another uh, dominance, another feather in the cap. Um, all right, Trev, kick off. Yep. First question: same team. Yep. Yeah, I think the same so team. Edmonton to stay on the bench. Yep. K- keep the options on the bench. They, you know, they're good options to have. But you know, the guys that are buzzing from a six-nil win in the semis have, have got to start. Spencer, you agree with that? Yeah, and I'm, I've, you know, the two boys at the back, the centre halves, are, dare I say, starting to actually form a decent partnership. I thought in the early rounds there was, you know, could drive a bus between them at times, but they're actually starting to tighten up a little bit, and that looks nice and solid partnership. Um, 
Tashi's always got his goal, which was fantastic for him. And you know, he's, he's such a late developer. He's, he's great to see him, him getting some starting games. And well, he get the treble, couldn't he? Because he's Asian Player of the Year. He's won the Asian Champions yeah. League, and he could win the Asian Cup. <laughs> it's been a fantastic year for him, you know. Right. I mean, do we see? I mean, is it just the same game plan? For the Socceroos, do we see them just approaching the game in exactly the same way, or do we see them doing anything differently? To, to I mean, it would be a different test from Japan to Uzbekistan. It'd be a bit more, you know, similar to the Korean test. Ball would be on the ground a bit more. Yeah. You know, I think we'll be less direct. So well, similarly to Uzbekistan, we will probably find ourselves without a ball for, for large parts. So, do we see them just playing it the same way, nice and compact, I, and then I think they, the yeah, I think they have to stay compact. I think the only difference will be is that the, the Japanese are, are really clever around the box. And that's the difference. If you let them come into the final third, there's a chance. I believe that they're, they're, they're a little bit more damaging than the Uzbekistanis showed that they could be. So, you know, trying. Uh, I'm going to question whether they'll sit quite so deep again. But at the same token, if they do push up higher, you know, there's not much pace at the back. Yeah, and Kagawa is definitely out, so he's missing, which will be a, which will be a big blow. Um, one of the things that we saw at the World Cup, Trev, was. Um, their danger from set pieces yeah. and direct strikes on goal. Um, they tamed the Jabulani, didn't so they? So that's, you know, important instruction you'd probably say from Holger is nothing, no silly free kicks 25 yards out. Um, having said that, you'd probably say that one of the main things that the Socceroos have got at this tournament is the best goalkeeper in the tournament by some distance. Probably yeah, there's the a record Japanese as well, right? Probably. So he will break the record. He will become most the most capped uh, Australian. So very fitting. Um, if you're Lucas Neal, do you let him skip to the side for it? Or do you no, say, I'll no catch chance. it up? <laughs> There's no sentiment in football. You get over this sentimental side. It's not park football, Jacko. It's the Asian final. No, Lucas ain't giving his armband to anyone. He wants do you to let him lead that. the side out then? No, of course you don't. Give him a bunch of flowers off the guy. Say, well done. Let him have a picture of it. Uh, all right, looking forward, the, you know, we'll see Kuehl and Cahill. I mean, how, how have you seen that? combination working. I mean, Kuehl has certainly shown that he's, he's actually able to hold the ball up pretty well. He's, a very, he's certainly learned how to you know, get his body, use his body effectively, draws fouls regularly, which is important, um, moans a lot when he doesn't get them, moans when he does. But, but you know, he's, he's, when we're up against, you know, in, in the Asian Confederation, we've seen a lot of that, that, that a lot of it is playing for possession, playing for the fouls, getting the set piece. Mm. Um, Trevor, you, you, do you see that as it developed over the three or four games? Well, those two were often dogged with rumours that they didn't get on. Yeah. Um, and I think that this tournament might have completely, you know, quashed that because they seem to be getting on. And I've seen a few pictures of the two of them sort of after games and stuff. So I don't think there's a problem. I think people made that up because they felt there was a battle between, you know, the two superstars of the team. But I don't think that seems to exist. And but is this seems just the perfect fine. thing in that the two superstars have now got equal billing, as in they're our two strikers? Yeah. Has this been the, old, yeah, the sort of the secret to that? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, completely. Because, the, like you say, they've got the same amount of responsibility, and the, you know, there's not just Timmy coming in from deep and grabbing the goals, and Harry's out on the left. You know, they're both, at, you know, at the tough end of it. Spencer, I mean, that's a good point you made there, tactically. Playing Cahill as far forward as he had, do we think that that's actually taken away some of his ability to, to, to hit teams, which is that ability to hit the box late when he's already there and he's, he's the point of the attack? Oh, have that. we lost a little bit of his sort of, you know, when he hits the box, like particularly against Japan, the goals that he scored, um, 
you know, at the MCG, it's him hitting the box late rather than being the, the, the target man. That's his, that's his career. I mean, that, that's his game in a nutshell. He's just ghosting in, uh, unmarked. And we have lost that a little bit. But I, th- I still believe there's enough in the side that they can adapt and deal without that. Um, the balls in that have been coming in have been, have been pretty great. I mean, the ball in for, for Harry Cool in the last minute. Matt McCoy. Oh, it was yeah. a beautiful weighted pass. And to be fair, Harry, I mean, for him, the, the finish was great in such a late stage well, in the game. He used the speed on the ball, didn't he? He didn't try and do too much on it. Also, I think the, the partnership, had, for him to have taken Harry off after 50-odd minutes, give him a chance to have a rest, now, back, him backing up this many games, I mean, we've never seen it with him. Not for years yeah. and years where he's played so many games in yeah, such yeah, a short yeah. spell. Another smart piece of management from Holger. Yeah. Say, Mate, you've done, we've done what we asked you. Have a rest. You've got a final coming. Well, yeah. I wouldn't even be surprised if we see the same thing in the final. That, you know, he goes into the approach with him, give me a good hour. Because ultimately, when it, it's very, very rare that we're going to get 90 minutes out of Harry Kua, a real top, top, full-on performance. So it w- I wouldn't be surprised if he said to him, give, him, give me a good hour, yeah. you know, and, and, then, and then make some changes off of that. Okay. All right. Prediction Next time. Next on the live, predictions. What are we going for? Trev? I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. Um, I think it'll go to penalties. Oh, I've, I've backed penalties. Really? Yeah. I, and I, I think Japan might win on penalties. But it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be a classic end-to-end final. Um, I can see it being one all or nil-nil, something like that. I mean, the bookies can't split it. The bookies have got it at two dollars sixty-five Australia, two dollars sixty-five. Uh, don't see that Japan and three three dollars the draw, so they can't separate it. Um, both teams are eleven bucks to win on penalties. Um, you bet both of them then. I might do actually because that's the easy way of if it goes to penalties you win but I've actually backed Australia to win on penalties I've backed it to be a draw at 90 minutes and Australia to win on penalties I, I think that the Socceroos will go and win this and I think they'll actually win it comfortably honestly I think they've hit the strats they've got a coach in there now that has got the players peaking at the right time you know early on in the tournament we were looking and going God it's going to be a right mm. you know we, we're going to struggle um I, I always felt that going into it and looking and the build-up, we were struggling to score goals. And that was the biggest problem. We had no problem keeping clean sheets, but we had, we had trouble scoring goals. Now we started it in the straps, getting a few goals under the belts. I, I believe that they'll go on and, and win the final. 2-0. My, my only concern um, is that, as we saw against South Korea, is that I think the Japanese will be a bit more disciplined and have a bit of a game plan that the Uzbekistan team didn't really seem to have. And I think what South Korea did, and probably showed the way, was that they pressurised the Socceroos high up the park. And what that meant was that often Lucas Neal and Oglanovsky were, were lofting 30-yard balls into Kale and Kuehl, and Valerian and Yedinak weren't getting there to support. So what was happening was the, 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 the South Korean holding midfield was just dropping in, and they were just surrounded. There's nothing, there's nothing that Lucas likes better than running the ball out from the back getting up by the halfway line and just slapping a pass in someone sort of just into the final third. I think that, that they will, they'll, they'll focus on stopping the boys at the back playing out. Um, as we said, with Harry and Tim up top, it's how quick we can get the supporting players up to them. Yeah. Um, that's going to be the, the key in the game for me. Yeah. I might, and again, my only concern is that, that 
the people that are getting there to support are the wide men or the players that are set, setting out wide, which is Mackay and Holman. Yeah, but I don't mind and that. My because concern is that then there is no width. You know, we're not getting crosses in. But See, this is where I like Matty Mackay playing is that he's comfortable rolling inside because that's the role he plays for his, for his club team, right? So he's happy rolling inside. I think that that then allows David Carney to go and join and push on a little bit. It might leave gaps. It just depends how Holger plays it, if he goes conservative and try and keeps his full-backs back. But I, I do believe that that's added a new dimension with Matty McKay out there, that he's able to roll in and he's comfortable doing it. OK. Um, all right, 2 a.m., I think, is local kick-off time. Uh, Australian it, Eastern Standard. Uh, I thought it was one thirty. I think that's when it starts. Coverage starts, I right, think it's okay. a 2 a.m. kick-off. Uh, obviously on live on exclusive on Fox Sports so if you haven't got Fox Sports get yourself out to a pub they'll all still be open there's a Green and Gold Army have done a list of you know pubs in your city that will be showing it and stuff so okay I head to their website ggarmy.com and um, you'll be able to see where there's uh, you can go and watch it with like-minded Socceroos fans uh, the A-League rolls on though um, not pausing for the Asian Cup uh, Saturday sees Brisbane Raw um, play Melbourne Heart at Skilled Park um, Gents Brisbane continuing their role, you'd say? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so. Um, I suppose the, the Wellington result was even a little bit of a surprise that they waited that long to get the breakthrough. Um, I don't think that would be the case against the Hart. Yeah, I think 3-0 Brisbane. All right, I mean, much, there's confident. a fair bit made about the surface at Skill Park, and it's, it's not the best. And obviously one of the things that, that Ange alluded to this is that it's not going to help them because the, the surface at Suncorp allows them to play the football that they want to play, and that might not be possible at skill part yeah don't worry about it it'll be lovely and lush come NRL season so they're just shocking isn't it uh, let's be honest it's a football stadium you know the, the football boys deserve a decent pitch to be playing on uh, the, you know the weather hasn't helped you know, they have a continuous rain up there but you know you've got to adapt your game and I think that they're capable of doing that I mean, I'm just looking at the table. Can they wrap up the minor premiership? The, I'm thinking they must be the getting close to that now, yeah. They must be close to it. If they win and the Mariners don't, uh, and Adelaide don't, then um, they, they won't be far off. Uh, Adelaide, talking about Adelaide play Huge. at home. Massive game. Adelaide versus the Central Coast. This will go, you'd probably say, a long way to determining who finishes second. This is almost a finals game in itself, isn't it, really? Yeah. So who's going to get a crack at Brisbane um, for the one and two? You'd probably say the Mariners would prefer that, you know, if, if any team would be happy with a draw, it would be the Mariners because that would keep the, the point difference. But uh, this is a must win for Adelaide, you'd say, Spencer, if they're going to f- get that second spot. Yeah, absolutely, especially being at home. I think they've, they're, it's a key for them to go, you know, on the back of what they did in North Queensland. They'd be going into it really fired up, full of confidence. And, you know, it was a good comeback by the Mariners. Last week against Sydney, but Adelaide wouldn't, you know, they're a bit more ruthless than Sydney. Okay. You're coaching the Mariners. What's your game plan when you go into a game like this? Do you go there uh, saying, all right, let's, let's not get beat first, and then if we can win the game, let's win it? Or do you go, you know what, let's go and win this, and we're four points clear? Look, I, I would say that Arnie will probably come out and say he's going down there to win the game, not for a draw. But typically, when I see the Mariners team set out, they set out to not lose first. Um, that, that's the way I, I, I look at them, them and ultimately their physical presence has been what's got them past the post more times than not um, but I, I do believe that they'll set out be a bit doggy stop Sergio Van Dijk at all costs and, and take it from there and try and build later on in the game 
Okay. Uh, Perth Glory Sydney SC. Dead rubber. No one really. No. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to have any impact. Uh, and again, who would have said this at the start of the season uh, with the squad that Perth Glory um, expensively assembled and Sydney FC as reigning double holders? You wouldn't have said that this game would have been a dead rubber at this stage. Um, but it is. I mean, both just playing for pride now. You sort of get the feeling that Glory just want the season to be over now. Yeah, look, um, I mean, this is just the consequences of having no promotion relegation is that we finish up with dead rubbers at the end of the season. It's not ideal. Um, the only thing that we can say is we've got players that are actually playing for contracts, so um, it'll be interesting to see what, what sort of team Fergie sends out. Okay, Phoenix uh, hosting Newcastle Jets. And again, this is a, you know, this is a key battle as well, um, trying to nab that sixth spot. Uh, Melbourne Heart have it at the moment with 33 points, but um, just behind are Phoenix and Newcastle. Both of them have got games in hand and can overtake Melbourne Heart if they win that. So, um, so you'd probably say Phoenix favourites. Yeah, definitely. A defensive, you know, Phoenix coming off the back of winning 4-0 at home. Jets are going into this after losing 5-1 away from home. Um, Phoenix always strong at home, so yeah, I'd, I'd imagine they'd win there. But Spence, you alluded to this earlier. You know, is this a sign of how far Phoenix have come in that we're saying that you know they're sitting there with a chance of making the finals in sixth and they've underachieved? Yeah, I mean, look, Chris Greenacre can't even get in a sight at the moment. He's sitting on the bench. He's a good player. And he's a great it, yeah. player, and you know that's how strong they are. They're doing it without uh, what's his name, the the big gun from Palace. Eiffel. I mean, yeah. this is the success that they're having. It, Without him playing, they've had to really adjust their game because he was so influential for them. I just think that he's taken them a little bit to adjust how to play without Paul Eiffel, and they seem to be building it up now. I think I do believe that they'll they'll go on and get into the finals, and I think they'll upset a few people. Okay, uh, another big game. Uh, victory, Amy Park. Victory will take on Gold Coast again. Victory trying to secure that final spot. Um, Gold Coast trying to keep pace with the with the top three. Trev, yep. uh, obviously it's going to be a Kevin Musketless victory, you would think, probably for the rest of the season. Yep. Um, I mean, is that going to impact on them? Well, they've made that point a few times. Merrick makes it, doesn't he, that it shows what a different side they are without them in the team. Um, I'm going to tip Gold Coast to go and win there. Um, look at these rounds. I, I know we're talking about the dead rubber for Perth-Sydney, but those other four games are... are Big. You know, they're all big, important games in terms of you know who's going to make the finals and where everyone's going to be. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Gold Coast to go there, GTA on red hot form, and they'll let edge out victory. Yeah, the um, you know the whole musket saga has got to be dry. It'll be done by, like we said, by tonight. Yeah. So we'll know where he's going to be. I don't, obviously, he's not going to be playing anyway. But you know, I think I think the GTA thing is he started it in his straps really at a key time thing for Melbourne victory is Danny Allsop's now getting back fit. I spoke to Danny last week. I was on a plane with him flying down to Melbourne and he, you know, he is getting fitter. He had about two months of just doing nothing and being on holiday. So going into final football, it's a key for him to keep driving forwards and start picking up some goals. I mean, as a player, you know, if, if I mean, how will the victory players react to what will, you know, we can assume be a season-ending ban for, for Kevin, for their captain? I mean, how does that? How do you react to that as a player? Is it a galvanising effect? You say, right, let's go and win it for the skipper. Or no, look, I think that they're a tight unit anyway, Melbourne. I mean, ultimately, they're not they're not particularly well liked by Sydney people as it is, but they they, they have that sort of strong 
internal mentality anyway as a, as a core group of players, as a club. I think they've always had it under Ernie. He's very, very protective of his players. Um, they don't really care what anybody thinks and, and they, I just feel that they, that they, were, they weren't, they're expecting a, a bad reaction for Muskie. So anything that they get that might have a, be different will be a positive. But I think they're expecting him not to be figuring for the rest of the season. Okay. Uh, North Queensland Fury get the week off. You probably say that they'll probably be glad of that after the last few weeks. <laughs> Best result of our day. Um, and then uh, next Wednesday, victory take on the Jets at Etihad. Uh, and Gold Coast um, host Adelaide. Again, another massive game. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll be talking, uh, picking the bones out of those next Thursday when we come back. Uh, but that's all for this week. Longer than usual, but hopefully you'll forgive us that because not every week we have an Asian Cup final to look forward to. Um, Spencer, thanks a lot for joining us as thanks always. For us in. Pleasure to have you in. Trev. Cheers. Unlucky, mate, this morning. Trev was planning his flights over for the uh, Carlin Cup final until. Yep. Till the blue noses we're in this morning. Yeah, well, um, save, mate, save some money. I know how you feel. Uh, so Trev won't be disappearing for the Carlin Cup final, but uh, by the time we come back next week, hopefully we are celebrating uh, an Asian Cup victory. So join us then. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.